Welcome to the Second Reading Podcast from the University of Texas at Austin. The Republicans were in the Democratic Party because there was only one party. So I tell people on a regular basis, there is still a land of opportunity in America. It's called Texas. The problem is these departures from the Constitution, they have become the norm. At what point must a female senator raise her hand or her voice to be recognized over the male colleagues in the room? And welcome back to the Second Reading Podcast for the week of March 1st, 2021. I'm Jim Henson, director of the Texas Politics Project at the University of Texas at Austin. We are back today from an extended winter weather and power outage hiatus, so uh, thanks to all our crew in the College of Liberal Arts, Liberal Arts Development Studio at UT Austin for helping us get back online today. Uh, today, I'm joined again by Josh Blank, Research Director for the same Texas Politics Project. Welcome, Josh. Thanks for having me back. Glad to be out of the winter weather. Yeah, it's very, looking out of my window, it is very nice out there. So today, what we're going to start with anyway, and probably spend a lot of time with is, is to do something of a breaking news podcast. We're recording this mere minutes after Governor Greg Abbott made a series of announcements in Lubbock, Texas on shifts in the state's COVID policy. I mean, this was no secret. The, the, there had been trial balloons galore going into last week about this. And the, the governor announced that he was going to you know, open up Texas, that Texas would be 100% open next week. We're recording this Tuesday afternoon. Uh, he said that uh, they will, that the state will be open for business, that all statewide mandates and, and executive orders setting, you know, capacity levels or, or closures uh, would be rescinded by that in that executive order. So Texas would be quote unquote, 100% open and then in the in the perhaps more symbolic realm to a lot of people he also said that he would be ending the statewide mask man- mandate and the messaging was pretty interesting in the sense that he was as he has done through much of this trying pretty hard to not tell people everything was okay and so the way that he did that today was to say that removing state mandates does not end personal responsibility. And there were some fallbacks that if the hospitals rise above, uh, I believe he said, Josh, and correct me if I'm wrong, this is basically mm-hmm. notes from the, the speech, uh, that if the hospitals rose above 15% of occupancy attributed to COVID, that county judges could could, in, could engage in what would be limited mitigation efforts. Yeah, right? yeah close. Let's say 15% for a week. Right. In the and, and then in the hospital regions that have defined the closures. Right. So yeah. And then actually then no no, no and I was just sad. County judges can't just use the mitigation standards. They can apply to be allowed well, to, okay. to to actually use the mitigation man. So it's a little bit different. But yes. Well yeah and that's good. So and so, and so the overlay here of course is you know not not allowing what many Republicans, including the governor at times, have considered overreaching, if not to coin a phrase, tyrannical local authorities <laughs> from running roughshod over over people's rights in the name of public health. So, you know, in, in the initial speech, not much about schools and teachers. Uh, in an interview shortly after on site with Chad Hastie, um, 
become kind of the co- the go-to guy for Republican radio interviews. Hats off to him. He's got a lot of good stuff. It's become a good outlet. You know, they said that that would be mainly up to TEA and we'd be hearing the Texas Education uh, Administration. Right. And that was basically- agency, the, And we'd be hearing more about that. And that was basically the answer across some of those areas. So what about schools? So, well, you know, TEA is going to say, what about prisons? It's like, well, you know, we have- TCDJ. Have TCDJ yeah. and so on and so forth. So that is a little bit of the answer here. Right. You know, the the response that we're getting, and we'll talk about that, is is- has been predictable so far, I think, at least in the last you know half hour. Or so I'm watching Twitter and then seeing what what the, the what the Twitter group, what the Twitter crowd is saying on both sides mm-hmm. uh, of the of the ideological aisle. You know, the other news tie-in for us here is that we're in the midst of releasing the February UT Texas Tribune poll, in which we once again did a big battery of of COVID nineteen questions. Uh, our fourth poll in, uh, over the course of the pandemic looking at at attitudes, uh, Texans' attitudes on the pandemic. And so we've got a lot to kind of bring to bear here. So I'm wondering, Josh, I mean, what do you, you know, what do you think, um, you know, what kind of struck, let's put it this way, what kind of struck you in terms of the, the, the context, the public opinion context of all this, at least at, at first cut? Well, you know, I, I'm sort of, I'm, I don't want to say I'm, at, I'm having trouble characterizing the public opinion response. That's not really it. It's, I think, I think deciding what aspect of the public opinion response to characterize is is sort of the <laughs> difficult part here. And so I think there's sort of two ways that I'm inclined to look at this, right? And, and one is to say, you know, we've been measuring attitudes towards COVID since April. This will be our, you know, our fourth time measuring attitudes, you know, specifically towards you know, different aspects of COVID and, and people's lives during it. And, you know, to what to one one aspect of this is to say, boy, you know, people are still pretty concerned about this. You know, people are still living their lives yeah. differently. They're still, you know, taking a lot of precautions. I mean, speaking of mask mandates, I mean that, you know, the mask wearing, you know, was treated as though it was some kind of big political symbol. But, you know, we know from our polling here in Texas that, you know, basically after April, you know, four and five Republicans were wearing masks. Right. And, and about and almost a hundred percent of Democrats. So that's not to say there's not a difference there, but ultimately, you know, it's not as though most Republicans are running around maskless. Or, and that's the flip side of this, it's not clear to me that you know most Republicans are now going to throw their masks into a big bonfire and start celebrating, right? I think you know there still is, you know, a, you know there's still a certain you know part I think of the adherence to the to the social distancing guidelines or that were you know or mandates former mandates that are honestly I think people just doing what they know to keep them healthy. And I don't think that's necessarily going to change, you know, it, I would say in a, in a massive way immediately, but we'll see, you know, we'll see. You want to, you want to comment? I mean, that's my one. Well, I mean, yeah. I mean, I, you know, I mean, there's a lot, I mean, I, I think that's an interesting question. I mean, you and I have talked a lot and we've talked on the podcast before about you know, I, I don't, I don't want to be too Austin centric in terms of thinking about what the social norms around mask wearing no, no, are sure. going to be in the rest of the state. I mean, no, I seem to remember you driving, you know, out of town. I've driven around a couple of When was that around in the summer? Well, right? no, I'll tell you, no, I've done two trips. I did, I did a trip. Um, I did a trip up north. So I had north out of Austin and, you know, and I think we were in and around, uh, you know, Waco, very different. <laughs> you yeah. know, approach to masks there. I did a trip in the summer down to Port Aransas, very different, you know, rates of mask adherence there. So, I mean, no, I mean, for sure. But I also think that, you know, at this point, I mean, I think the the initial idea that this is some sort of, you know, that mask wearing was a, you know, a purely like, you know, an expression of political ideology, number one, I think was always overstated. 
And I think the data has shown this, you know, consistently, you know, not entirely the case. And so because of that, I only think that there's some share of Republicans, you know, at this point who are wearing, you know, masks because of the mandates. Because ultimately, even in April, when Republicans, you know, quote unquote, weren't wearing masks, 69% of them were still wearing masks. Yeah. Even, even, you know, so I mean, you know, so even before it became, you know, even if incorrectly characterized as a political expression, even before then, the vast majority of Republicans were wearing masks. So, you know, I'm just, you know, I'm a little skeptical, but, you know, but anyway, so, okay, (laughs) but you're right. Point taken. I mean, so the one side, the one side is to say, hey, look, you know, there's still a lot of people who are super concerned about this. You know, I mean, one of the things I keep taking away from this is that, you know, people on the whole don't necessarily seem to be feeling significantly safer now than compared to the last time that we polled. And to be clear, the last time we polled was in October, which is before vaccine distribution really got underway. And right. so a lot has changed and technically has changed for the better. And yet people don't necessarily feel safer. I think, you know, I saw something on Twitter, so I don't want to take credit for this, but it is, it isn't, I don't remember who said it, but it is an odd point to say like, we're basically saying, hey, nobody needs masks anymore, but actually vaccines are only available to a narrow slices of the population, yeah. which is an interesting policy statement, which again, we're not well, and I think the governor was trying to, you know, to get on top of that. I mean, the messaging in the governor's speech and and that which he reiterated and I think expanded in the com- in the radio conversation immediately afterwards was to say that, you know, vaccine distribution is going swimmingly in Texas. He focused on, you know, what he presented as a high rate of vaccine in the highest in the oldest groups of Texans. He's Singled out over sixty five and over eighty is you know the you mean the people you 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 mean the people who can get vaccines the demo the demo the demographic slice with you know the highest fatality rate, um, you know and, and also you know promised that they would be you know at the same time would be opening up the categories and I think this is another interesting element that's not going to be the headline because it was also not elaborated but he also said they would be changing the categories next week. And broadening access to the vaccine at some point, and that that announcement, the specifics of that would come later. So, you know, I I, I think the the message is supposed is supposed to be that the combination of the vaccines and there was discussion of how many people have already had it, and you know that this is going to be okay. And I and I I do wonder a little bit if there's not going to be some interaction. I mean, yeah, more you know. I mean, I, I agree with you, and we've made this point repeatedly, and I think it's right that all things being equal, you know, the difference between you know in mask wearing between Republicans and and everyone else was never as as huge as people presented, and never as symbolically inflammatory after a certain point um, as as presented by people on both sides. I mean, mm-hmm. look, there were Democrats, I think, that were you know, painting with too broad a brush, a brush about Republicans. But there, are th- I think it's also fair to say, and some of this is anecdotal and some of it is looking at the other parts of the data that we have, that, you know, that a lot of the mask wearing was probably a, a, a certainly somewhat begrudging and a function of public health guidelines that made it more socially difficult to not wear a mask yeah. in public places. And that now, if that if if the context of that shifts, I mean, again, you know, you need to take another trip, and we'll see. But but you know, I mean, I you know, even in Austin, it's becoming it's become a little evident that there was uneven application of this. If you got in an even 
you know, semi-private setting. Yeah, I think that's right. You know, and so, and so I don't, and I don't know. So I'll just be interested to see and, and we'll be able to poll again relatively soon and we'll see. We'll ask again. Right. So, I mean, so again, you know, there's part of me that's kind of, you know, a little bit perplexed given where we are and where the attitudes are. But then there's another part of me that's, you know, almost, you know, not surprised is almost not even the right way to put it. It's almost like it took so long in that, you know, we've been asking a series of questions over these polls, you know, and the sort of the top line item that kind of gets at this is we ask people what's more important. Is it, you know, uh, is it, you know, containing COVID, even if it hurts the economy, or is it more important to help the economy, even if it hurts efforts to contain COVID, you know, the reality is even though, uh, more Texans have been on the side of containing COVID than helping the economy throughout polling. You know, the balance has been shifting yeah. more, you know, uh, over the last four polls towards, you know, more towards the, toward the economy, even though COVID is still, uh, you know, more important to people. But among Republicans, supporting the economy has always been more important than containing uh, the coronavirus. So this is in the polling. I'm not saying this is yeah. a general thing. This is on, on the survey item. Sure. And it's grown and it's grown over time. And then, you know, more to the point, really. You know, we ask people, are, are you living your lives normal? You know, basically, what are you doing in response to COVID? Living your life normally and then various levels of, you know, restrictive movement and behavior beyond that. And the share of Republicans who are living their lives uh, normally, you know, throughout the crisis has, has continued to go up. Well, the share of Democrats who say the same has basically remained, you know, below about, you know, around 10% range. Yeah. You know, and then the last sort of piece to this is, you know, we ask people about a range of activities they could they could engage in, you know, going to work, going to the grocery store, going to the movies, a bar, a restaurant, you know, a sporting event, et cetera, yeah. et cetera. And really, you know, in the last poll, when we asked this, a majority of Republicans said that each of these things was safe, except for going to a sporting event at an arena. And, we didn't and even say, that was at 48%. That was 49%. So, so know, it wasn't like, right. I mean, so, so I mean, so that's one of the things I think, you know, to the extent that, you know, you said the Austin centric, we're in Austin, you know, and to the extent the Twitter universe and, and the democratic response versus the Republican response. I mean, either it's, it's worthwhile to kind of take a step back and say, you know, regardless of what, let's say, if you're a Democrat, you think about this, whether you think this is ill-advised, whether you think it's too soon whether you think we're going to re be repeating what happened in the summer all over again, you know, it's kind of, you kind of have to acknowledge the fact that for, for most Republicans, this is not the life they're leading during the virus. And this is not their level of perceptions. And not to say that Abbott doesn't represent everybody, but ultimately, you know, he's a Republican politician leading a majority Republican state where the vast majority of Republicans think that it's already safe to do all this stuff that he's basically you know, putting a rubber stamp on now. Yeah. And I, and I, I would point people to, I mean, I, you know, this point that, you know, there's already a, a, a set of attitudes about this that's, that are very different among Republicans and among conservatives um, that is probably driving a lot of this behavior already, you know, whether they're wearing a mask while they're doing it or not. And I would urge people to, to go to the Texas Politics Project website and look at our latest poll session and look at, there's a, there's a graphic that says, is it safe or unsafe to do each of the following that's got this list that Josh was, re was referring to? And it really is, to me, and, and has been since we asked this kind of battery the first time, I guess, last poll, two polls ago. Two polls ago. Yeah. In June. You know, it's this is the easiest way, I think, to look at a broad number of at a broad range of activities and attitudes and see just just where there is a difference mm -hmm. between Republicans and Democrats. And 
independence conveniently kind of snugged up between them in the middle. And again, also, you know, tellingly, in most cases, a little closer to the Republicans than they are the, 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 the Democrats. Yeah, which is right. pretty we, consistent for most things. Which is we what we find. think about, yeah, independence more more generally. Um, so, you know, you, you, you know, you raise the politics of this, you know, uh, Houston County Judge Lynn Hidalgo was on Twitter fairly quickly saying, what, you know, providing a response that I think we will see a lot of later that this afternoon, which is that, you know, the governor is now trying to deliver good news and pivot away from the bat, the more recent bad news of the power outages last week. You know, there wasn't, I, to, to my mind, I don't think there was any mention of the outages other than a brief kind of, a of a joke, joke about the cold or something at the beginning. Um, Hashtag too soon. You know, and look, this is, um, you know, this is not, a, you know, this is not something that the governor has has not done before. I mean, you know, what he was, you know, he, he spent some time in the fall pivoting away from COVID to talk about other things uh, during a period in which the, the pandemic was, was really at its height. Um, so I, you know, the, the politics of this, I think, you know, are interesting as, as, as we pivot towards, you know, as we continue to see the, the governor try to set the agenda in the legislature, yeah. you know, in terms of where this positions him and, vis-a-vis his fellow Republicans. You know, I mean, when you mentioned the politics of it, I mean, there is sort of a, you know, a, a weirdo bank shot kind of policy aspect of this if you want to give the governor a little bit more benefit of the doubt, which I'm, I'm, I'm somewhat willing to do because I don't think that, you know, the power outage all of a sudden made, you know, Republicans in the state or the governor more inclined or more, uh, you know, desirous of opening the state up and getting rid of these COVID restrictions. I mean, this is, I mean, this has been an ongoing piece, you know, so, but I mean, there is something I think in the data that's interesting, you know, that I've noticed in terms of the safety battery, we talked about this range of issues. And it's the fact that, you know, after the first measurement we did of it in, in, in June, and then we go to October, and now here we are in February, and between October and February, you know, there has been a ton of movement. Ultimately, you know, and, and, and just what it yeah. seems like is that, you know, it's, it's a little bit stalled out. And that sort of surprised me, only to the extent that, again, you know, we have vaccines out there. More and more people are getting vaccinated. Presumably, there should be more people who feel safe doing, you know, engaging in these behaviors. And it really hasn't moved yet. And so, I mean, to your point earlier about, you know, the signal, you know, what kind of signal does the governor or what kind of effect does the governor's signal have to people who may be begrudgingly wearing masks? And not because they, you know, acknowledge that there's a, you know, a threat to themselves or their family members or others, but because, you know, there's some sort of social pressure. It's the law, whatever. You know, your point being, you know, well, look, he's saying to them, hey, look, you know, I expect you to do this, but it might send us to go people. Yeah, but you don't have to. Right. I, th- I think the same thing well, might be true here to some extent, right? Which is to say, yeah, you know, for Republicans, you've got three quarter, you know, between a half and three quarters of which who are basically living their lives normally doing all these things. And what you could say is, you know, but the thing is, it hasn't moved since October, since before the vaccines get out. So to be out there saying, hey, vaccines are just going to keep coming. We're going to start vaccinating more and more people. We're going to expand the groups. And you know what? I think it's safe to open everything up for business as long, you know, and, and I leave it to those business operators. It's sending a signal, I think, to those people, hey, you know, if you're still feeling reluctant, don't. And since the economy has yeah. been the driving underlying factor in a lot of this amongst the Republican response, you know. Yeah, I mean, there's a certain reliance on individualism here, but I mean, one might argue that, you know, they, you know, they kind of tried that before. Yeah, well. <laughs> in the aftermath of the July peak and what we got was, 
you know, the more massive peak. I'm not saying you know, that that we were starting to measure. No, no, I know you're not advocating. I'm not saying for it's that. good policy. I'm just, you yeah, know, and I, I mean, you know. that's and that's the whole. I mean, that's the, that's the trouble with all this, right? I mean, it, you know, the virus, you know, a pandemic is a collective experience, yeah. and so ultimately, it's not about individual responsibility; it's about collective responsibility. Yeah, I mean, you know, we don't, you know, we don't call it private health; we call it public health. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, for and there, and there's you know, and there's a distinction between the two. You know, I I would also note that, you know, the seven day averages in both deaths and cases have actually increased again, are on the increase again in the last few days. Well, yeah, that was the thing. Now I that noticed. doesn't, you know, that doesn't mean that that's going to continue. But I think you know, and again, you know, they pivoted to looking at hospital hospitalization rates quite a while ago. Mm-hmm. Um, so, right. but I, you know, it, it, it seems odd to me. Well, I mean, you know, it, I mean, not odd. I mean, I know yeah. I understand the politics. It seems perhaps ill-advised. Well, you know, I, I don't even know if it's, you know, to me, I'm not even sure, you know, I don't even necessarily think of it as, I mean, there are the politics of it, but you know, one of the things I find increasingly, and part of it is what we do, but what we do for a living, right? So we're looking at attitudes all the time, you know, People come up with their pet theories about other people, you know, i.e., you know, for, you know, for e.g., for example, right? Like, well, Republicans don't want to wear masks of Donald Trump. And it's like, yeah, but like 70 plus percent of Republicans are wearing masks. And it's like, and it doesn't match your your, yeah. your perception. You know, for something like this for me, you know, I mean, I think part of, you know, the benefit of the doubt here and being fair is, is that, you know, when we talk about Republicans and Democrats, and since we talk about the politics of it, I mean, you're talking about you know, more, you know, about, let's say 40 to 45% of the voters in the state who share a consistent set of attitudes about the virus. And it tends to minimize the overall concern. Uh, It tends to, you know, heed towards, you know, engaging in more behaviors. And it tends to, you know, again, elevate, you know, regaining economic strength over, you know, limiting excess death and And being less and being less sensitive to risk and being less sensitive to risk. And, 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 you know, and you can kind of say, and I mean, part of me is saying, you know, if you, if you told me, Hey, look, a hundred percent of the people who lived in this town feel this way. And this political, you know, this politician went and and decided he was going to open up the town, no mass mandates, whatever. I wouldn't say that's, you know, politics per se. I'd say, you know, well, it's a representative government. What are you going to do? And I mean, it's not as though Abbott has, I mean, look, I'm not saying it's good policy, but, but you know, Abbott has been taking arrows for even the lightest restrictions that he has placed. And so, you know, I'm just, I'm just a little, you know, I don't like the outcome per se myself because I think the virus is more dangerous than that. And I think the threat is more collective, but I mean, it's hard to look at this and say, you know, he's pandering because it's not like it's some small group of the Republican coalition that is, you know, living their lives normally, it's, it's 40% who are just living their life as if the virus doesn't exist, according to the polling. Well, I mean, that's generous of you, I think. Uh, <laughs> I'm a generous, well, I feel, I'm feeling generous today. I guess. I, you know, I mean, I think that, you know, from, I, I mean, there's a weird kind of, I mean, it, the politics of it, you know, if, you know, just going on the, the kind of numbers you're talking about would have then theoretically allowed for saying, yeah, we're going to open everything else up a hundred percent. But the the way that that works is that we're going to keep the mask mandate in place. And for him to have, you know, had people in the room with masks and saying, yeah, we're going to do this. 
We're going to open up businesses, but the only way this is going to work is if people wear masks. And if we keep it, you know, if we keep in place a bunch of habits that many of you are already following because you are individually responsible. I mean, it's a slight tweak in the message. Um, but I, you know, as we talk about the politics of this, you know, you talk, you know, we've talked about the, the small share of Republican voters who report not wearing a mask, you know, the, the increased ability, the, the increased perceptions of safety and very public and social activity, perceptions of safety and all of this. I mean, I think you could acknowledge that and probably try to do this in a slightly different in a, in a slightly different way policy. And, and, and I think what it does is it opens the governor up to, I think, the legitimate criticism that he has been overly sensitive to a very, you know, I mean, to say, make your point in a slightly mm-hmm. different way yeah, please. to a, to a very, to a very small share of Republicans. Yeah. But I, right. I mean, if you're really worried absolutely. about, you know, I mean, if you're worried about criticism of, you know, like people that don't want to wear a mask, you're just not talking about you're talking about a small, you know, I mean, as our friend Ross Ramsey also often says, you know, a, a small but la- a very small but loud group and the loudness is serving them. I mean, the, you know, I mean, and, and, and there's always the sense that the governor's team incorporates, you know, the criticism, you know, in a, in a very front and center way that's not doesn't always feel in proportion to its to its real potency, frankly. I mean, you know, there's a real, I mean, you know, there was a real emphasis in, in today's events on saying that, you know, we're going to, we're going to urge you to wear masks and, and restaurants, you know, can, can, and businesses can ask you to wear a mask. You know, it's a good idea, but Hey, no one's getting arrested. Right. No one's getting fined. You know, no one's putting, you know, their boot on your neck. No, you other, no enforcement is basically. <laughs> right. And that's, uh, you know, it's, 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 you know, it's only barely passes a basic rational sniff test unless you're thinking in, in largely political terms to my mind, you know, from a public health p- policy perspective, it just doesn't really make any well, sense. But, 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 but let's just pause that train left the station a long time a ago. Long yeah. time ago. Uh, I mean, I you know, <laughs> that's not an, I mean, you know, I mean, this is one of those sort of odd things I think in politics and policy where you start to say like, you know, where you start to play with the counterfactuals and it's like, you know, and it's fun, right? Yeah. We can say, you know, what would have happened if, but the reality is, is that, you know, we haven't been following clear public health guidelines, you know, such that they've even existed. Right throughout most of this pandemic. So- and, and, and cherry picking the data, despite all the talk about science. I mean, for all the talk about how great the vaccine distribution is going, you know, we are still as of this morning, I believe 49th out of, yeah, I mean, per, yeah, it, yeah. In, in the, in, in the measurement that counts, yeah, in the measurement which, that is, counts. which is the share of the population that are getting vaccines, you know, we're in, we're at 49th and, you know, Forgive me if we slipped or if we gained some ground overnight, which as happens in these ratings sometimes, and we're maybe forty seventh or forty eighth, right? But um, not necessarily leading, not, not necessarily leading the nation in you know the race to combat COVID right. and the justification for reopening. Again, yeah, the you know the yeah the point being, if that's your if that's your rationale is that we're doing so well, it's not. Well, see, but but this is the thing, you know, and I'll just you know, I mean, I know that there's the politics of this, which is to say that we're doing so well no matter what. But the reality is to go back, I mean, you know, about the, the public health train that left the station is that the, the, 
the state's approach to this has basically been to bear it. Yeah. I mean, once, you know, once, once the, once basically Abbott passed, you know, control of the response to the local governments and then didn't like their response and then opened things up in the suburb, we know what happened. I mean, the basic response has been, we're going to wait till we get vaccines. We're going to try to keep people going to work, which is important, right? We're going to try to keep the economy going. Uh, And, and I think, you know, this is just a further example of that. I mean, Abbott's kind of been ahead of the public health data and the actual, you know, facts on the ground, it seems throughout this. And this is really no different. I mean, the argument is, well, look, by July, everyone will have access to a vaccine so we can open up now. It doesn't make any sense. Well, and I also know, and I, and, and I also think, you know, you, you have to put this in, you know, in the general context that Judge Hidalgo was trying to raise, but I think I would do it a little differently. You know, I'm in a different position than the Harris County judge. For now, um, yeah. <laughs> um, but, but I mean, I, I, I do think, you know, this is, you know, this is signaling and everybody wants to talk about the, or not everybody, there's lots of people that leap immediately to the whole, you know, Greg Abbott wants to run for president and all this. Right. And I'm just setting that aside yeah. yet again for the moment. Um, but I do think that if you look at the pandemic and you look at the power outages and the general sense, not just the power outages, but the general sense that, you know, the infrastructure you know, collapsed in a lot of parts of the state and came close to a catastrophic collapse in the aftermath in conjunction with what we've seen in the pandemic. And and the response to the pandemic is that there is a, a real overall uh, dissonance between what we've seen in Texas in the last year, but in particularly in the last few months, say the mm-hmm. last, you know, two months of time or three months, if we go back to December, that is a real problem for core Republican ownership of the quote unquote Texas model and the central general election appeal appeal that Republicans rely have relied on for the duration of their hegemony in the state, which is, you know, Texas is, is, is open for business. You know, we talked the, you know, I think the last podcast we did was after the, the state of the state address before mm-hmm. the, the power, you know, the power outages and the, you know, the clearly what the governor was trying to convey there was that we're kind of past this pandemic thing. It's been tough, um, but Texas is open for business and, you know, slides of companies coming to Texas. The one, two of the pandemic and the power outage is, is a real problem for that image and that argument. And, you know, the rest of the country, including other states competing with Texas for business, are, are not being shy about noting that. And so, you know, I think this is a way of, you know, uh, uh, returning to the brand that that for the state and for the and for the Republican Party and for the party running the state mm-hmm. that they've worked very hard to establish, and and I think we're gonna we're gonna see more of that, and that you know, and that doesn't bode well for public policy. I mean, yeah, you, in the you, in the way that it's being implemented. You know, you. I think you know what you raise is, I think, one of the central questions. Kind of looking at the sort of this next two year stretch between the last election and the next one, right? Yeah. You know, and it's this, and I think you know, I would expand it even further to say, which is, you know, it's the state's response to COVID. You know, we'll see how the continued vaccine distribution goes, and and you know, the efficiency yeah. and of that. You know, the power grid failure is one thing, but you know, I think what some people have pointed out about about COVID and its impact is it's really pointed is that it's really uh, emphasized 
other areas in the in the infrastructure broadly understood that are lacking, yeah. right? And so, you know, I think, you know, on, on, on the left, you know, Democrats are licking their chops saying, you know, finally, right, finally, you know, voters are going to realize that Republicans are mismanaging the state. But the thing that we always find, and, you know, this is something I think I tell to a lot of out-of-state visitors often, you know, I get, I get some version of a question, you know, you know, this is crazy, that is crazy, this is crazy, why do Texans put up with it? And this is usually yeah. someone from New York or somewhere else. And, you know, my basic response is, well, because this is the government that they want. You know, and we can see that both in, you know, questions specifically asking about the policies that they're talking about. But further, you know, your point is it, the Texas model, I mean, which is basically low taxes, low services state. And, you know, we ask a question about that regularly. We don't see a lot of movement right. on it. In general, you know, a, a good share of people think that the way that Texas does things is well, or does it well. And I increasingly think that part of what that means is that they don't have necessarily high expectations you know, for yeah. a lot of this stuff. Now, where the problem comes in is, as you pointed out, in two ways, which is in a comparative sense. I think within Texas, I'm not sure that any of this necessarily hurts Abbott in his position. We'll see. I mean, it could eventually accumulate, but I, you know, it, it hasn't yet. I think you know the out-of-state message is harder, right? I mean, when you're basically saying come to Texas for business, you know, but our power grid went down and we have no way to like fix it immediately, you know, or yeah. something like that. Well, that's the point. Yeah, I mean, that's the problem. And then further, you know, then the question becomes, you know, okay, you know, you're worried about running for president and there's Ron DeSantis and there's other people and they're saying, Hey, aren't you the state that like, can't give your people like power and water? Yeah. You know? Well, yeah, so exactly. I mean, so that's the point. Yeah, yeah. That's the point. Yeah. Um, you know, I, you know, and we will see, you know, how that, you know, how it plays internally. I think you're right. I think that, you know, there's, you know, remains to be seen what the internal, how the, what the internal reaction will be and whether these things can all be put together. But I guess my point is, this kind of move directs attention internally away from all that, mm -hmm. right? Definitely. And, and and we'll see, you know and we'll see if they can continue the momentum on that. Um, lots of other stuff in the poll. We'll get back to to that next week. Uh, watch the Texas Tribune on Wednesday for release of the final tranche of results. Go to the Texas Tribune website to see Ross Ramsey's write ups of the poll. We've begun slow rolling out. Uh, the data and and some of the graphics for this for those of you that teach or give presentations you'll find all that stuff on our website and we'll have much more kind of drill down into that over the next couple weeks including on next week's podcast so Jim Henson Josh Blank uh, uh, thanks to Josh for being here thanks to our crew at the College of Liberal Arts and Liberal Arts Development Studio at UT Austin thanks to you for listening uh, be safe. Now we have to say, you know, stay warm. Hope your utilities stay on. And we'll talk to you next week. The Second Reading Podcast is a production of the Texas Politics Project at the University of Texas at Austin. <laughs>